the Gryptonaut Podcast. I am Mark Storrs, and with me as always is... I'm Applebee's. Oh, well, and... And you've made fun of me. I'm Rob Morphy. Oh, I thought you were going to say Chili's. I'm not. But that would be misrepresenting myself. Chris is welcome to misrepresent himself. Okay. That's true. That's not how I fucking do it. No, no. No. I know we're out trying to have fun, but Rob's all about being serious tonight. I know, really. You get a couple good reviews, and all of a sudden you're just you're off your fucking. That's it. You're still on pop probation. Well, I know, I know. You <laughs> informed me of that earlier. I, how do I get probation. off this? First off, how did uh, I get on it? Now, how do I get the fuck off? The Solway Spaceman debacle. All right, that's true. I yeah. was fucking. You know what? The funny thing about that is, if you listen to that podcast as I did recently, you would think I live and die by that fucking photograph. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't realize yeah. it's how passionate I was. Honestly, I I give like. Two thirds of one fuck about it when we're yeah. doing it, but when I re-listen to it, I'm like, "Holy shit, this guy has made a lifestyle choice." <laughs> you are, and the that man. is, I am the Solway for spaceman. <laughs> you, you, you are, you are. I'm really not that impassioned about it, but but that night, their mistakes were made and you, mayhem ensued. You had a little bit of an eight ball in your voice, a little, a little bit. bit, yeah, but it wasn't. Bit. It was not that. I was not coked to the gills, though. I absolutely sounded like I was, and I'll be the first to concede that. But. Perhaps I mixed some meds, drank a little fancy time, and um, and you know what? I'll just try to I'll try to be better. Well, so I understand now why I'm on pod probation. But how yeah. does a motherfucker get off pod probation? You listen. You roofied time. Your, you roofied. Oh, your, I roofied the dickens roofied out of yourself. myself. But, and, and, but it was legitimately a roofie. It was no, you non-intentional. Really, yeah, you, well, right. Yeah. So where's we have an eye on you? You're doing good. Wow. Your, your probation officer super happy. You recently produced a bunch of really great pieces for us. We're Thank super you. excited. We're not going to give any spoilers yet because as soon as we do, the whole thing is going to fucking fall apart. Always does. All of that aside, Hellerspace, hellerspace.com. Get yourself some Kryptonaut t-shirts. Get yourself some hoodies. And by the time this pot comes out, there will be there new won't options. Be. No, there won't be. Why not? not? Yet, because this is going to be like two weeks out and it's probably not going to be until like uh, mid-month we're going to get everything Well, we up. can't. Well, you because dude, all you have to do this is This is why do you're it. on probation. Yeah, never say stuff. So. Let yeah. Mark do the time let me, jingle let me do jangle. Let the We're on probation. Time jingle jangle. Son yeah. of a bitch. Unlike Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, boy. Yeah, Chris is... We're going to digress a lot. <laughs> no, This is not. one of those fucking cold oh, opens man. that just went way off the rails. No, we're good because we're talking Heller Space. We're talking merch. We're talking Patreon. Patreon.com slash Podcast. $1 will get you a shout-out. $5 will get you a shout-out and some bonus audio. And this week we have some shout-outs to do. We have Coleman Forestry. Oh, a forestry? A f- Coleman Institution or Coleman whatever? Forestry. Thank it's you, just, Coleman. Yeah. yeah and I thank mean, you for helping stoked. trees. And uh, Tom Cahew. Tom. Sweet. Yeah, thank you so very much. Damn, it's about time. I've been yeah. waiting for Tom to show up. So again, that is $1 a shout-out, $5 a shout-out, and some bonus audio. We just put up the uh, interruption of the Ashtar Command. I screwed, oh, the, t- I screwed yeah. the title up on it. Pristinely researched, I will really? give a dead giveaway. I screwed up the title, yeah. But yeah, uh, my research aside, it... It was fun to do. It was. Because yeah. it's a really seminal event, and I guess potentially British paranormal slash ufological lore. Totally. So uh, there you have it. There's the intro. This week we are going to a Stone Cold Steve Austin classic. Jeez. This is one of my favorites. We say that a lot. We say that about the Dover Demon. We We, got let down. We did a little bit. Because he was leaning. He was leaning he a lot. Leaning. Yeah, that's you know the deal. what he was? He was winded. He was winded. He, <laughs> he was put tired. a lot of effort into being here. But now this one, this one's totally different because this is a seminal case. We're talking about the Pascagoula abductors. We are. And and it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, this is and this is a this is a big this is a big one. So whatever Second only, perhaps, to the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, which of course is renowned 
Um, I'm sure it's not the first alien abduction that ever happened. Certainly, probably not even the first in the United States, but it is the first that was seriously publicized. It was the one that kicked off the 20th century idea of alien abduction. Mm, And of course, Betty and Barney Hill were abducted by creatures that seemed to be at the very least prototypes for the greys and were certainly the inspiration for the aliens we saw in Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But this case, while maybe in historical context is second in importance, was at the time, far and away, the most famous alien abduction case the world over. And there's a lot of material out there on this. You've got documentaries, you got books, you got all kinds oh, of stuff. There's of stuff. so much stuff. So do yourself a favor after you listen to this pod, dig in yourself, see what you can find. There's always new stuff coming out, so check it out. But let's get started with, regarded by many researchers to be one of the most pivotal extraterrestrial events in the history of American ufology, this genuinely disturbing case represents one of the most exhaustively chronicled, not to mention outright bizarre, alien abductions on record. Boom goes the dinamite. Mm. We're talking the Pascagoula abductors. Oh, finally. About goddamn time, too. I mean, it's only episode 120-something. We, we were going to get there well, eventually. Dude, dude uh, look it. We get there dude. when we have to get there. We do. Yeah. We arrive when the time is right. When the, right, when, when the time is just perfect. There's sort of a Taoist flow we to how these up. stories happen. They happen when they need to. If that's what we're going to call it, Rob, we're just going to stick with that. You know that's me. You are. In my yeah, heart. It's true. You are. I look you like are. a Buddha. I fucking work like a Taoist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Nice. As always, let's set the place. Located in Jackson County, not far from the Alabama border on the southeastern tip of the state, is the small coastal community of Pascagoula, Mississippi. Already known as the home of a paranormal phenomenon known as the Singing River, which, tragically, was a place wherein a cluster of local Native Americans allegedly drowned themselves rather than be forcibly removed from their ancestral lands. Oh, Jesus, that's dark. In the early 1970s, the name Pascagoula became synonymous with the phenomenon of alien abduction. Well, better than the self-drowning. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. better than the mass drowning of indigenous peoples. Yeah, a lot better. Yeah, no, yeah. that's... No, in, that's in a terms real, of paranormal real uh, hotspots... Yeah. Let's let's opt for that. Yeah. All right. On the evening of October 11th, 1973, 42-year-old Charles Hickson and his work buddy, 19-year-old Kelvin Parker, were angling for hardheads near an old grain elevator on the shores of the muddy Pascagoula River. The two natives of Gaucher, Mississippi, were both employed by the Walker Shipyard, where they had bonded over a mutual love of fishing. Oh, that's a nice little outing with a buddy. Fishing. Yeah, here's yeah, fishing. You can be 42 and 19, and if you love to fish, buddies for life. There you go. Not having much luck, Charles suggested that they relocate to the rusty iron piers of the decrepit, long-abandoned Shaw Peter Shipyard, where he had recently landed some redfish and speckled trout. Kelvin was hesitant at first, knowing that they would have to trespass on private property to fish there. But his older buddy assured him that there wouldn't be any trouble, and the pair made their way to the new location, not once suspecting that this abrupt change of venue would put them on a collision course with the unknown. Oh, it's how it always starts. Unexpected. Fishing, the next thing you know. The unexpected. I, know. I, feel, I, feel, I feel like Egg Shen at the beginning of Big Trouble Little China. But that's how it always begins. Yeah. Yeah. Very small. 
<laughs> the duo settled down on a rundown pier, fully expecting to have a relaxing evening filled with good conversation and hopefully better fishing. What they could not have imagined was that they were about to have an encounter that would be so extraordinary, so outright terrifying, it would change both of their lives forever. The first in a series of progressively peculiar events that would plague them on that ill-fated eve occurred at approximately 9 p.m. when the men suddenly spotted a bluish pulsating light reflected in the water before them. Seems simple enough. Convinced the police were there to haul them in for trespassing, Kelvin began to reel in his line. But as the men turned to face the music, they were both astonished to see an odd football-shaped craft with a pair of rounded blue oscillating lights at one end, swooping down and coming to a halt about a foot and a half above the swaying marsh grass behind them. So we're into it. So we're into it. This okay. is yeah. almost instantly. Immediately. You're there. Yeah. Fish yeah. one spot, it sucks. Fish another spot, breaking in. No, well, not really breaking it. Trespassing a little, trying to hit up the hard heads, the catfish. Boom. UFO. Unsure of what they were seeing, the startled men dropped their rods and leapt to their feet. Their initial curiosity quickly giving way to abject terror. Charles estimated that the proportions of the tapering oval vehicle were some 8 by 40 feet, while Kelvin thought it was much larger, figuring it to be 12 by 90. Considerable distance, di difference, excuse well, me. Well, no, but the proportion saying it's 8 or eight well, by 40 eight, eight tall is by 40, tall, 40 or, or 12, 12 tall, by, which is right. some, you know, 4 feet taller, but... By 90. So this thing is super long. According to Kelvin. Well, is it long or is it wide? Yeah, that doesn't... What are they saying? There's not... Well, they're missing a dimension. Well, yeah. Well, they can only see it in two dimensions. The ones uh, they're looking at. Which is height looking and at width. It. Okay, got okay. It. Like, they don't know depth. Right, we, right, right. Based right, right. on this. Yes. Right. Yeah, and 8 by 40 is uncomfortable. Yeah, but fucking 12 by 90, perhaps more so. You got more ceiling space, though. In all other respects, however, their reports of this oddly illuminated object tallied, and both agreed it floated at least a football field away. It's about 100 yards away. So, yeah. So, right. we got 100 yards distance, a little difference, but who knows? Maybe one of them really sucks at measuring size with their eyes, and the other one's really good. Right. But we're going to mention every fact that we can we, find. We have to. Charles and Kelvin were rooted to the ground, gawking at the bluish thing when they suddenly heard a soft buzzing noise emanating from within the mechanism. Kelvin tried to calculate an escape route, but they were surrounded by water on three sides and their only available exit was blocked by the UFO. Oh, you're cornered. The fucking mm. Just when it must have seemed as if things couldn't get any weirder, the two men were suddenly blinded by an intense light as a hatch opened on the side of the pointed, ovoid object, revealing three of the strangest creatures ever chronicled. Charles recounted the odd encounter. I jumped to my feet, looked over at Kelvin, and he looked plumb strange. Then a door opened and this brilliant light came out of it. I couldn't figure what in the world was happening, and all of a sudden, right in the end of it, this opening was laid up and three of them just floated out of the thing. They wasn't on no ground. So, End quote. Dope. So, oh, all right, so the, the ship's floating, door comes down, then these do just float out. Yep. Like the Undertaker move? Every, everything's an Undertaker. Everything's an Undertaker. Super silhouetted by the bright light behind them, <laughs> pulling a complete yeah, robotic everything. Undertaker. Yep. Yeah. On a side note, I got undertakered by Chris the other day. I opened the door to, to come into his house, and he's just coming at me like this. 
Oh, two you middle can, fingers he, he and a gentle out. float. Two middle fingers, and he's floating across the room. And he apparently started from his room. How, how can you do that? Yeah, I, well, I don't imagine. It's how he walks. Defying he walks gravity. on, like, his toes, and it oh. looks like he's floating. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stand that. I mean, I love it, but I can't yeah, stand it. Anytime funny, I see something floating in a horror film, I was I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, I could have just started in the living room and waited for you to open the door and just went toward you like 10 feet away. But I didn't. I went all the way in my bedroom and I was doing that the whole way. Method acting. I'm yeah, just like, why am I, Why did I do this? He was I committed. probably would have done it if nobody was at the door. And just walk around <laughs> in the fucking house. <laughs> ah, Seriously, yes. if there was secret cameras on here, you'd be like, I'd be in, in fucking some sort of trouble. Chris has a level of commitment. To the character of Chris, yeah, that is played absolutely. by Chris. No, he is, is based performance on Chris. Art. He is yeah. absolutely yeah. living performance like, art. You, other people are carbon based. You yeah. are performance art. I do hundred percent. Nobody can play me except me playing me. Exactly, yeah. playing me, playing me. It would be yeah. astonishing to see someone else try, and would they be. would fail. Yeah, it would. But I still like to see it. Yeah, me too. Indeed, coming soon to a theater near you. Wow, Chris. Charles went on to describe the inhuman entities that slid over the ground toward their human quarry by saying, They were about five feet tall, had bullet-shaped heads without necks, slits for mouths, and where their noses or ears would be, they had thin conical objects sticking out like carrots from a snowman's head. Weird anatomy. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not judge them just yet, though. They had no eyes, gray-wrinkled skin, round feet, and claw-like hands. They didn't have toes, but they had feet shape. It was more or less like, I know, listen, we're just going to be quoting directly. It was more or less just a round-like thing on the leg, if you call it a leg. So, based on the illustrations that were uh, drawn at the time and, you know, ones that I've done since, it's like, it's one solid leg-like thing that seems to connect in the middle like they, they don't ever separate they don't walk around and it's sort of club footed at the bottom so it's okay. weird, they don't like... walk in the air they don't move their legs they don't moonwalk through you know yeah space they are just their <laughs> legs bad, are just but... a solid sealed weird thing. thing that looks like it could be two legs with little rounded feet but they're useless as so it's yeah, like a mermaid move. tail sort of but like not nah. except it doesn't taper into yeah there's just like weird little foot shapes right yeah. is that what they're called foot shapes basically that. Yeah, so, so, okay, so right. what you're seeing is a big rounded head pointy yeah. things coming out for the ears and nose wrinkly skin all over and crab like claws we have seen on, wrinkly uh, elephant pretty long arms we've seen wrinkly elephant skin before with a kofu Yes, we have. yes, we have so the co- the, the fanged humanoids fang, of Kofu yeah. most assuredly, and yeah. and their eyes were not conspicuous either. Yeah, no. but they also had three gleaming teeth and giant Spock-like ears. It's true, but super long arms and claws too. Weird, weird yeah. epidermis. I don't think there's any real association, but it's an interesting thing to point out. It is. I'm I saying. do think. Okay. I try. While Charles admitted to being frightened by the trio of long-armed, elephant-skinned entities that were floating toward them, he must have taken some comfort from confiding that his youthful fishing buddy was utterly petrified by the sight of these monstrosities, stating, I was scared to death, but Kelvin Dunn went hysterical on me. I mean, if you're scared, what do you think Kelvin's going to do? Yeah, I know. You're a seasoned old 42-year-old. If you're freaking out, I'm done. Yeah, I get it. If Chris if Chris is freaking out, you and I are already dead. Yeah. That's true. You've been no, dead. We've yeah, been no, dead. We are a bloody, stinky mess. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I mean, you know, I get it, but, you know. 
The three rigid entities floated toward the fishermen with alarming alacrity, traversing in just a matter of seconds over a debris-strewn field that Kelvin later claimed took him about 20 minutes to negotiate on foot. So 20 minutes on foot because it's all rocky and all fucked up, whatever this debris is. Right. Fucking seconds when you're able to float with your club foot mayhem. When you're pulling your best undertaker, you can go where you want. Absolutely. The beings quickly encircled the literally petrified pair, both of whom noted the jerky, almost mechanical fashion with which they moved their upper limbs. Mm, Interesting. That was when one of the bizarre beings attempted to converse with Charlie utilizing a series of incomprehensible buzzing sounds, which he took to be a fruitless attempt to put him at ease. I don't know why, but he did. (laughs) Because it's trying to communicate like, hey man, it's cool, we're just here, don't worry about it, but it's talking in pops and clicks and whistles and weird shit. And undertaking its elephantine uh, ass all the way over. You're floating, you're just scaring the fuck out of this dude. It's like me me putting a deer in a headlock and being like, I'm just here to help you, dude, that's it. Deer in a headlock. giving it a kiss. It's like, I love you, I'm here to help you. Yeah, no, the headlock's going to really keep it anxious. Yeah, I don't know about that analogy. To their horror, the cohorts noted that although their fight or flight responses had definitely been activated, they were both suddenly unable to move anything with the exception of their eyes. Do they got froze? They got froze. Like in so many alien abductions. That's a classic thing. One of the beings remained silent as it hovered behind Kelvin and effortlessly lifted him off the pier with its mechanical pinchers, which he later described as crab claws inside of mittens. Odd. The other two creatures grabbed hold of Charles, who described the alarming event thusly. They just glided up there to me. Then one of them made a little buzzing noise, and two of them never made no noise. It might have been contacting the others. See, I don't know. By then, I was so damn scared I didn't know anything, and two of them floated around behind me and lifted me off the ground by my arms with their pincher things. They must have done something I just raised off the ground. They didn't use no force. They didn't hurt me. I didn't feel nothing. One just took a hold of Kelvin, and I saw him go limp. So their hands are, like, mechanical? Everything about them implies, at least to the two eyewitnesses, something robotic. Okay. I'm not fully convinced of the truth of that. But now it's it's usable and strong enough that they can just grab you and pick you up. Well, and they're only five foot tall. It's true. So it's not like it's not like they're a dude. It's super strong, but it seems like there's, and we'll get to this in one second, a physics at work here that goes beyond simple strength. They have alien Bolton hands. Oh, yeah, you like Ultraman. That? Ultraman God bless you. you like wow, that? Yeah. you super geek. I'm so yeah. proud of you. Oh, Welcome is... to Tokusatsu, uh, my friend. So, you know what? I want to thank you and Christopher for finally pushing me over the edge because I always dug the ship and I'm like, I'm not committed. You know not what? watching Japanese uh-huh. television. Now is... I'm. I'm committed. A form of hating yourself. I know. And you know what? I now love myself. I'm committed. Thank you. I was able to make the Bolton reference. Robert, continue. So proud right now. Thank you. Kelvin reported a decidedly different sensation. That of a needle poke in his arm the moment he was grabbed by the thing's lobster-like claws. It was then that he lost consciousness. Charles thought that his young friend, overwhelmed by the whole ordeal, had merely passed out cold, but an examination by one Dr. James Harder, a UC Berkeley engineering professor who was sent to Pascagoula by the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, or APRO, 
very famous old UFO mm. organization, yep. would reveal puncture wounds where Kelvin had been grabbed by the gravity-repellent interlopers. In fact, in a memo discovered by author and ufologist Philip Mantle in the Illinois archives of Dr. J. Allen Hynek's Center for UFO Studies, or QFOS, another classic UFO organization, which was dated Saturday, October 13, 1973, Dr. Harder wrote that Kelvin had been, and I quote, penetrated as by a needle-like device on the left arm, and at the same time, certain sections of epidermis had been removed in a circular fashion. Ooh. Little tiny, little tiny circles of skin. Charles related that while his experience of being levitated into the ship was upsetting, it was not altogether unpleasant. Although his arm would bleed the next day where he had been grasped by one of the creature's metallic pinchers. Calvin, on the other hand, had an altogether more ominous perspective on what he'd endured as he was taken into the craft, claiming, My damn arms! My arms! I remember they just froze up and I couldn't move. Just like I stepped on a damn rattlesnake. I passed out. I expect I never passed out in my whole life. Okay. There's a lot to unpack, but his arms. Damn arms. His damn, damn arms. Damn are snakes. Fault. Damn your eyes. Yep. Damn my damn, arms. Damn, yeah. Damn, damn your damn eyes. Damn that snake. Damn the metal pinchers. I I appreciate and respect the rattlesnake reference. Because well, you know he's, pro- he's probably gotten bitten by a rattlesnake before, and he's like, shit, my feet don't work. Because you know you immediately get like paralyzed, and then you have how long? Yeah, does it have like um like what was it? That brain paralysis? No, I think we had, yeah, I don't we had know. so long before like your foot is just dead, before you got to get like, oh, yeah. anti-venom. Now listen, I'm not a snake expert. No, and none I'm of sure us are herpetologists. People are going to leave us one-star reviews like, Mark, there's no shit about getting bit by a rattlesnake, but I'll tell you this. Zero stars. <laughs> Zero stars. <laughs> yeah. Mark, don't know shit. As a matter of fact, you owe me stars. <laughs> yeah, you're, no, so you're so dumb. <laughs> I, I, Mark is so dumb, he owes me stars. Review me well, you fucker. Here's my podcast. Review my podcast with better stars because you're an asshole. Here's where we find out that it is not mere strength of these five-foot-tall, elephant-skinned snowmen of space that lifts up these people. The three creatures not only continued to inexplicably defy gravity, but the moment they touched their human quarry, the men also found themselves to be suddenly lighter than air. Oh, interesting. Physics. We mean like they felt lighter than air? Like all of a sudden they're just like balloon people. I don't know. I I mean, yes, they suddenly floated the moment they were touched. They weren't being hefted up by the sheer strength of these things. Right. as automatons, potentially, maybe not. They might have been super strong, so, but who the fuck knows? Some sort of atmosphere, atmospheric change, perhaps? No. Gravitational. Wait, I don't think it has any bearing on the atmosphere whatsoever. I think thinking maybe it was something with a bubble. You know? You yeah, get but, it? All right, maybe. maybe, but I don't know if they, if they formed a bubble around them, it was invisible and energetic. So in that sense, Damn maybe it. somehow it was atmospheric. I don't know. I did so well with the rattlesnakes, too. You, you were perfect. They just nailed it. You wanted the invisible Magneto bubble. Yes, that's what I was thinking we about. They do. were in their own little atmosphere that Magneto has when he has the bubble around him, when he's on Asteroid M. Sure. Fuck. No one remembers Asteroid M. I vaguely do. The mutant asteroid. Don't worry about M. The, the mutant, the <laughs> mutant really don't asteroid. Know. Fucking poser. Piss out the wind. <laughs> Fucking poser. All right. Fine. All right. All right. Okay. Asteroid M. Here. All right. Lighter than fucking air. Asteroid M. The creatures escorted the Earthlings back into their ship, hovering Charles and the now unconscious Kelvin through the air at 45-degree angles like human kites. Charles described the scene. They took us through the doorway, in the middle of the room, and I couldn't see Kelvin anymore. 
There was nothing in there, just a bright glow, a real bright glow, excuse me. I couldn't move anything but my eyes, and they glided me into that thing. You know how you just guide somebody? All of us moved like we were floating through air. They let go of me. I still wasn't touching nothing, just kind of floating. All I could think was, what are they going to do with us? I figured they'd take us off and we'd never see our families again. So they get brought in at a 45. At yeah, 45. no, they're kites. So they're uh, weird. Human balloon kites. And then yeah, just, once hey. they let go, apparently your atmosphere theory was correct because he just continues to fucking float. All right, weird. It is weird. Maybe they have some weird gravitational thing around the ship. Maybe. Never know. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, it might extend to these entities. The entities can't deal with Earth's uh, pulverizing gravity. It is devastating. It keeps us locked to the Earth. So we can't There's probably a lot fly. of really soft species that would hate to come here. Yeah, because we're hard. We're we, hard as fuck. Maybe. Well, we're hard as fuck, but then we try to go to the bottom of the ocean, and then we're splatty punks. So, splatty I mean, let's punks. not let's not get too right. big for our britches here. Pressure can devastate well, anything, imp- depending on where it is. Implody yeah. punks. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or we go into space and we fucking freeze and die. Oh, yeah, no. Explode. Space is full of hate and, and it is nothing but death for us. As much as I love the idea of space exploration, it's a fool's errand. Yeah, we yeah. are not equipped for it until no. we like breed a generation yeah, yeah. of super until we tough, are. titanium skin, fucking no oxygen breathing fucking air. Well, until space travel becomes as normal as like jets like yeah. our travel Listen, here you know what you know i'm pro space you know i look forward to it i'm yeah. just saying no that's it that's we're fucking it, shit bags in space it's fine it's fine yeah that'll right. never change no and we, <laughs> we can genetically change but our generation is fucked I, and probably a few after yeah, yeah. we'll get there well, one day guys one day. one day we're gonna get there keep keep your spirits up yeah right. it was at this point that things went from disturbing to distressing as charles who's pleased to be released when unheeded by his peculiar hosts claimed that while he levitated a few feet off of the floor inside of the furniture-free, brightly illuminated craft, a big, football-shaped mechanical eye, approximately seven inches in diameter, emerged from the unbearable brightness of the curved wall. He recounted the event. Some kind of instrument. I don't know what it was. I didn't see anything that I could call an instrument that I've ever seen before. It wasn't like no x-ray machine. There ain't no way to describe it. It looked like an eye. Like a big eye. Charles further described the incredible procedure. It had some kind of an attachment to it. It moved right in front of my face. I saw dials and gadgets moving around. It went behind me, then came back over me. It went all over my body, up and down. Then it disappeared back into the wall. I was just about out of my mind. I thought they were going to kill me. Folks would think we fell into the river and drowned, and nobody would ever know about this. So to paint a better picture, even though this thing reminds me so much I don't know if you guys remember the old Joe Dante film Explorers in the third yeah. act where it kind of falls apart a little and becomes sort of like a shitty Chuck Jones cartoon there's this like stop motion animation eye that comes out of a wall oh, yeah, okay. yeah 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 now imagine yeah. that but free floating mm-hmm. so it's free floating and the way he described it like it goes over him he, he couldn't move at this point Charles but he heard it and sensed it going around him. Then it comes up through his legs under his crotch, still like filming the whole way or scanning or whatever the fuck it was doing, comes back up to his face. He said this probably took a couple of minutes, this whole procedure, and then recedes back into the wall. So it sounds like a scan. Yeah. Like it just. But a free floating, crazy, yeah. mecha- and this is 73 again. Eye. 
It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, Space eye. Yeah. All right. Well. So, that, so now we got this. While Charles was receiving a full body scan from the mechanical eye, Kelvin was taken into a separate room. He recalls that what he referred to as manatee skinned rather than elephantine, which is what Charles described it as, robotic escort pulled him first to the left before abruptly turning to the right into a separate space. For decades, it was believed that Kelvin had been unable to recall what occurred next during his abduction ordeal. And as such, for the better part of half a century, only Charlie's half of the story was recounted. But in reality, the young man had been so deeply traumatized by the event that he kept silent about it for nearly 45 years. Now we're going to bring this shit to light. Well, he yeah. brought it to light first in his books, but we're bringing it yeah, to we, light Yeah, we now. can't take credit for this. Well, no, I didn't like I'm infer this psychically. <laughs> we're not breaking news, though. Well, we might be breaking news for people that are only familiar with the constantly reposted version of the story. Okay, all right. But anyone that's like balls deep into this and read the books and really deep, no. It's going to be right. like old hat. Well, not that old. 2018. All right. Sort of breaking news. According to his account, when the teenager's eyes began to adjust to the ungodly brightness of the private room, he saw before him what he described as a beautiful table that appeared to be made of glass or some other transparent, semi-reflective <laughs> material. The airborne automaton deposited the still-paralyzed youth onto the odd examination table and took its leave. It was at that moment that a strange glowing object about the size and shape of a deck of cards floated down from the ceiling, stopping in front of Kelvin's face. He heard a distinct clicking sound, then the object proceeded to fly in a circle around his cranium, pausing and clicking on both sides and back of his head before floating back into the brightly lit ceiling. So instead of like a full-on football-sized eye, he's got right. a little glowing deck of cards. So he's getting some different scan. And it's getting a different kind of scan. Or maybe it's just two different pieces of equipment. He compared it later to the sound that an MRI machine makes, because at 19 he didn't know. Right. But as a seasoned uh, you know, senior okay. citizen, yep. he had suffered some heart disease and a stroke. Mm. So then he knew what it was like, and that's what he felt. It was like a super advanced version of that wow. in, in his All later right. years. And MRI machines are fucking terrifying. Well, yeah, they're loud. They're, they're loud. It sounds like Unicron eating a planet it really does, <laughs> it does. it's just noisy you're, stuck, you're it's never fucked. in an MRI machine because it's awesome no yeah no. so yeah no it's always freaky within moments there was a strange quote-unquote ruffling sound and another entity entered the room and approached the still immobile angler while he could not be positive regarding this much more humanoid being's gender, Kelvin believed that its long hair and delicate features gave the distinct impression that he was dealing with the female of the species. The female doctor. Which is a whole other breed right. of cat, because for many, okay. many years, the only things you ever heard about were like the carrot ears, the nose, wrinkle skin. But now we're talking about a female. Yes. Potentially. abductor. Absolutely. Okay. Unlike the ostensible androids that had captured the two men, this being seemed to be human in every way save one. The middle digits on each of her slender hands were impossibly long. Oh, God. Yeah, icky. It's a big fuck you. <laughs> it really is. That is a super flip off. Yeah. When she flips you off, it's like this big. <laughs> It's unknown if Kelvin expected this more familiar feminine being to handle him with a delicate touch, but if those were his hopes, he would be swiftly and sorely 
disappointed. Oh, because she has a big giant middle finger, she's not going to be soft with him? It's a big old fuck you. Oh, shit. The female, or that's how we interpreted it, performed a perfunctory examination on the frozen 19-year-old, scanning his features and roughly pinching his cheeks. Apparently, she's an Italian grandma. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, little Bobby. Oh, the look little at you. Oh, the little Panucci. Yeah. Oh. It was then that, without warning, she grabbed Kelvin by the throat and began to squeeze with incredible strength. Like an Italian grandmother. <laughs> there you go. Again. <laughs> Again, the Italian grandma. Pursuit. Wow. <laughs> Just random spiced hams. <laughs> Just spiced Italian meats? Yeah, wow. spiced Italian meats. And then Grams has you by Kept the throat. Come cool. oh. <laughs> As he involuntarily gasped for air, the feminine fiend jammed the elongated fingers on her free hand down his throat and began maneuvering his uvula. Oh God! Which would make me puke instantly. Well, this okay. it, like flapping Just it around. Flipping it around. Ah. Oh. The horrified teen oh. experienced a searing rush of pain as he felt the woman's narrow digits probing ever deeper, penetrating up into his sinus cavity. Oh, she turned around and went oh, up. Oh, she got icky. Uh, How long are these fingers? Like he only says they're long. longer than any human, but uh. like to me, they. Uh, as the story goes on, they just keep getting longer and longer and Dude, more fucking it, horrifying. In the beginning, I'm thinking they're this big, but if they're going in his cavity in his sinus, did they touch his fucking brain? Like oh. she, he got like the worst neti pot ever. There's <laughs> a fucking finger right in your sinus. Oh, I Jesus. do not care for this. No, at all. Kelvin could feel a warm rush of blood run down his throat, and just when the anguish seemed unbearable, a telepathic voice exploded in his, in his mind, asserting. We are not going to harm you. In a later interview, he would recall, I was thinking, it's a little late for that. <laughs> well, like, yeah. good on you, You're fucking hurting me, lady. After I'm harmed. Fuck? You like, scared me, dirtied my clothes up, got blood all over me. What else does not harm you mean? Yeah, what what is your what is your fucking definition of not harm you? As I you got fucking, your giant middle finger in my sinus yeah. as you're fucking flicking my uvula. Like Exactly. The very definition of harm is what you're doing. It's so non-ironically deadpan like motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. We're not going to harm you. You're yeah. fucking harming me. You're choking me, me out. You're yeah. jamming fingers in every orifice I use to breathe. <sighs> I'm bleeding from the inside out. The fuck is wrong with you, lady? Right, Man well. lady? Friend, whatever, 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 whatever they are, I guess. Fingers, McCoy. Yeah, really, fucking Doctor Fingers. Oh, Doctor Fingers, oh, coming oh, for you. Oh, yeah, Doctor oh, Fingers. Oh, it's the worst seventies porn ever. Oh God, oh, it's like the name of a uh, Motley Crue song that no one it really yeah. is too. He's oh. one that calls it the Fingers. He's one that makes you. Feel oh, stop oh, now. God. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna think about now. <laughs> Doctor <Dr>. Fingers. <laughs> Doctor Fingers. Please stop. Sorry. Please stop now. <laughs> With that, the woman took her leave, and the same or identical wrinkle-skinned robot lifted him off the table and floated the woozy teen back into the main chamber of the ship, where Charles was being supported by the other two automatons. Both abductees would agree that about 45 minutes had elapsed before their uninvited escorts carried them back to the riverbank. Oh, well, thank God they're getting back to something, you know, that's not a giant Apple store with a lady fucking your face with a giant finger. Finger banging your sinuses <laughs> yes, from the inside seriously. out. Yeah. I mean... 
You know, I mean, yeah. This is maybe this is a Dell store. Ooh, a little P, a little PC shade. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was Dell. Maybe, you know what? Maybe it was a Gateway store. Oh, there's no there's no cow print. It isn't Gateway. Yeah, I'm that old. Yeah, you are. Gateway. Wow. Yeah. Maybe it's a Best Buy. Uh, Best Buy's still around, Robert. Uh, is it really? A, oh, yeah. shit. As far as maybe I knew. It was a, maybe it was a Comp USA. Wow. Ooh, maybe it was a oh, Comp City. USA. I mourn Borders <laughs> to this day. R.I.P. Borders. As Charles snapped back to reality, he found himself lying on the ground next to the pier, facing the water. With effort, he managed to turn around to see the three beings floating back inside the hovering craft. And his young comrade stood just a few feet away, arms outstretched, Frankenstein-like, staring at but not seeing the water. In his own words, I saw Kelvin standing there, staring out at the water. He was in shock. I've seen men in shock, and if you don't do something pretty quick, they'll die. I started going over to where he was. I've never seen that sort of fear on a man's face as I saw on Kelvin's. When I got to Kelvin, I had to slap him a time or two. No. <laughs> well, you know. You what do you got to do? It's shock. I'm trying to help him out. I finally got him to where he could say something. He said, Charlie, what in the world was that? I said, son, I don't know, but they didn't kill us. Pragmatic to the end. <gasps> wow. Charlie Jesus, what was he, Sam Elliott? I was like, son. I know. Is he so grizzled? I don't know, but they didn't kill us. We're alive to fish. Not today. That's what matters. We're going to roadhouse these fuckers across the galaxy. Wow. Oh, he actually died That's in a lot road- of roundhouse kicking. But he died in a roadhouse. He did. He got the knife Yeah, in he him, got the stabbing. But he was avenged. He was, but was he really though? Well, I don't know. Does does a vengeance ever really count? It never brings you back from the dead. Yeah, no, you, it you, never really makes things better. Patrick Swayze could roundhouse that entire fucking city into paralysis, and he would still and Sam Elliott's still dead. Yeah, so revenge. Think twice. <laughs> yeah. That's one to grow. I <laughs> mean, you within seconds, the terrified duo stared in continuing disbelief as the self-illuminated object rose straight up and shot up into the atmosphere, leaving both of them cowering on the ground with the understandably overwrought Kelvin weeping and praying. Even in his distressed state, Charles realized that their tale would simply be too bizarre for the average person to believe, and for the next 40 minutes, the two men sat in Hickson's parked car trying to calm themselves and make some sort of sense out of what they'd just been through, according to Charles. I told him, Son, ain't nobody gonna believe this. We just got to keep this whole thing to ourselves. Oh, you got to start the cover up. Yeah, that's how it begins. Well, you have to. It doesn't last. Kelvin, who was about to be married in less than a month's time and wanted nothing more than to put this inexplicable event behind him, adamantly agreed. Despite his initial reticence to go public, on their way home, Charles had a change of heart wondering to himself, what if it's a threat to our country? A patriot to the end. Well, yeah. And he made Kelvin pull over at a payphone. So it was Charles' car, Kelvin was driving. Kelvin assumed that his co-worker was checking in with his wife, Blanche, but in actuality, Charles had taken it upon himself to call nearby Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi. The desk sergeant who answered the call informed him that the Air Force was no longer investigating UFOs and instructed Charles to contact his local sheriff. Oh, man. Sorry, son. We don't do UFOs. Call yeah. your old sheriff. Yeah, everyone's, yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, man. Book, well, look what the fuck are they going to do. Yeah, I call know, your exactly. local jailer. 
Well, yeah. I mean, what do you? If I if if we call uh fucking whatever Rome Air Base and we're like, we saw a UFO, they're gonna be like, call the Auburn police. We don't fucking care. No, they don't. Well, is, is Rome they Base don't. closed though? I think yeah, it is. Uh, maybe it is. I don't uh, know. That's where any local Air Force yeah, base. Woodstock ninety nine, Rome Air Force base. Was it really? It was. Wow. So call all right, but yeah, I mean, I guess what, do you call the cops when we have friends that are cops? Should we ask them? I guess we but, have law enforcement officers um, that, that listen to us. So do, do you? I would be interested to know what they think. Like if if they listen to us, they yeah. would probably be intrigued on a personal level. But what there can you do nothing. as protocol? I mean, I, I mean, if the Air Force can't, they're do not going to make you. They wouldn't be investigated. They'd, no. First of all, I think you're out of your mind. Right. That would be an easy assumption yeah. to make. And this story is particularly off the fucking charts. Yeah, it is crazy. But things get interesting, and right. we're about to get into that here. Let's do it. Although Charles dreaded the public shame that would almost inevitably accompany the revelation of what they had endured at the hands, or claws, of what he presumed were space creatures, he realized that the potential threat manifested by these entities far outweighed his fear of ridicule. So, taking a deep breath, he called the sheriff's office. He pulled the trigger. He did. He did it. All right. The officer he spoke to was understandably skeptical, and fearing that the men might be drunk, he instructed them to remain where they were until help arrived. When Charles climbed back into the vehicle and told Kelvin what he had done, his younger cohort was livid. Kelvin dreaded the reception that their bizarre story would receive from law enforcement, and he knew all too well just how quickly rumors spread in small towns. Already a nervous wreck, he had no desire to see his fiancée's family or the rest of their small community treat him as if he were a lunatic. He was, I mean, in place he's a teenager. He's beside himself with his reputation, and it's understandable. Because that shit can go south quick. I mean, right. look at look at the fucking yeah. Falkville Metal Man, look at, and maybe that was... Maybe he put that on himself. This sheriff yeah, was like 28 little, years old. Yeah. But yes. He but was a young sheriff. But he's 19. He's getting married in a month. You don't want your in-laws to think you're batshit crazy right out the gate. Not at first. Give it like, in a give small it like 10 years. southern town. Exactly. Yeah. Then they'll know. Then, then it's you're okay. like, look, I'm sorry I'm a Satanist. This ah. is who I am. This is what I do. And this All right? suddenly <laughs> became autobiographical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Nevertheless... The die was cast, and within a few minutes, the deputy arrived, administered a drunken driving test, which Kelvin passed, by the way, and then had the men follow him back to the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. Exhausted and still distraught, Charles and Kelvin walked into the office carrying the catfish they had caught before their abduction. Still have, end, you still got to eat that shit. They still had the catfish? Yeah, well, yeah you can't waste that. That's being frugal. They're in a bucket, and they're just like, here's our fish. Yeah. They are fucking southern working class just, gentlemen. They, they're going to keep their goddamn fish. If those things are on stringers. They're going to be dead and gross. You can't do well, shit. Well, let's with well, a bucket of water. I assume. Right, yeah, yeah. No. Look, I'm, I'm Maybe saying. they're alive. Maybe they're still flopping and slowly suffocating well, in their limited oxygenated dead water. Fish in a string. Or maybe they're maybe. so distraught from their ordeal. Yeah. But they didn't leave the bucket behind. They still said, "You know what? This is our gear." You know they took their fishing gear. Yeah, you know. As bad as it is, you can't leave that shit behind. No, you always bring it with you. It doesn't matter. Sheriff Fred Diamond and Captain Glenn Ryder. Wow. Diamond and Ryder. Yeah, that's... Yeah. If that's not a mid-90s silk-stalking fucking spinoff, yeah, I don't like know Yeah, that's like a Dollar Store Miami Vice. Oh, totally. Dollar, Dollar Store, Store Miami, Miami Vice. Vice. Or that could be a really... That's brutal. That, that could be a... Super, no, it is, though. That's that could be a super sweet new toku, tokusatsu. 
Or it could be the show we're going to pitch to TNT next yeah, month. Yeah, it could be. Fuck Diamond yeah. and Ryder. Diamond okay. and Ryder coming so, to you. We got Sheriff Fred Diamond and Captain Glenn Ryder sagely separated the two men and conducted separate interviews. Although their accounts matched remarkably well, the officers felt that this had to be a put-on. So in order to suss out the truth, they placed the fishermen alone in the interrogation room where they had hidden a running tape recorder. Sheriff Diamond assumed that this quote-unquote secret tape would reveal the duo as the hoaxers he believed them to be, but was shocked to discover that in private, the shell-shocked pair seemed even more disturbed than they were while talking to the authorities. He would recall that both men seemed genuinely frightened by the events that had transpired and that Kelvin particularly seemed to be quote-unquote crawling up the walls. Eventually, both men were released with the promise that no one outside of the office would learn so much as a word of their strange tales. It would be a promise that would be broken before dawn. They clearly were like, oh, fucking check this out. And they fucking, I'm sure they took the story everywhere. Everywhere. But what's kind of crazy about this, though, is that they take him, they separate him, they got matching up stories, some things are different, but the, the dudes are legit freak the fuck out yeah oh no they're expecting like I, i've seen so many interviews with uh fred diamond and he's mm. like ah i was expecting to say oh we pulled one over on them la 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 and in fact they were like the i've exact heard opposite. the tapes and seen the oh video. yeah no yeah. The, the tape is actually on youtube to be heard by yeah. anyone that's interested and it is very difficult to decipher it is a tough it's listen really but fucking it's weird. fascinating yeah. because Fucking Kelvin's clearly scared shitless, and and I remember Charles Hickson saying something the equivalent of like, I thought I've been through enough hell in my life, yeah. and now this has to happen. Like they are not painting it like men that are having fun with the law yeah. or trying to like set up some no. lucrative scam for the long run. They're playing it like two people that are genuinely you traumatized. Can, you can hear the fear in their voice, like it's weird. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's really and strange. that it, you know really helped compel the mm. lawmen in this. Although Charles seemed unconcerned, Kelvin was apprehensive, saying that something about the beings that had captured them just didn't seem right. He was terrified that they might have contracted some kind of extraterrestrial disease or been exposed to a potentially lethal dose of radiation. And this is where you feel really bad for this kid. The moment Kelvin arrived home, he stripped off his clothes, including his boots, and threw them in the garbage. He then filled his bathtub with fucking bleach and Ooh. scrubbed his skin until it was raw. No, don't. You're just, you're just going to burn, chemical burn yourself. That's all you're going to yeah, do. Yeah, well, he's a 19-year-old kid who uh, doesn't know shit about man. UFOs and just realizes that something happened and he feels like it's horrible and he has to clean it off of him. Uh, he is probably trying to wash his mind as much as he's trying to cleanse his body. And it is probably... Something he regretted really yes. soon after. That's a bad idea. And to throw away your fucking boots, that's no joke. A working man's boots, no. that's something you invest in. Do you know how much my... Red Wings, whatnot, Do you know how much my fucking Red Wings cost? Uh, probably a pretty penny. They're like two-something. And that's on sale. And I have a boot stipend. But when you got fucking space herpes on them, Dude. or whatever the fuck you got... Dude. I'm still keeping my Red Wings. They're the most comfortable pair of oh, wear I got. Oh, not if you're abducted. They're out, man. You don't know. I don't know, man. I might be keeping them shits. When they get all Chernobyled up, what are you going to do? I know. What are you going to do? Fucking space diseases. That's why I, that's Listen that, to Chris. That's what I wear my Doc Martens for. My space, space diseases? My space diseases. <laughs> stomp out space diseases? Yeah. Is that going to be Doc Martens' new slogan? Yep. Stomp out space diseases. There you go. Despite the sleep deprivation and post-traumatic stress, Charles and Kelvin returned to work the following morning, both keeping mum about their experience of the night before. 
Co-workers later noted that the men seemed inordinately anxious. Hours after punching in, Sheriff Diamond telephoned the men and broke the news that reporters were infesting his office trying to uncover more information regarding the abduction. Charles was enraged that the sheriff would so quickly break his word to keep their story a secret. But an apologetic Diamond insisted that he had not betrayed them and that the case was simply too sensational to keep under wraps. So there's a leak in the office? Uh. It might have been one of the deputies. I mean, let's not throw Fred Diamond or fucking Johnny Ryder under the bus. Maybe it was Mickey Dolan's. Fucking Mickey. It was one of a monkey. Really lighting as a lower deputy. It might have been somebody else. Is what I'm saying. (laughs) Probably not Mickey Dolan's choice. Was not special. I mean, I think it's adorable that you went for one of the monkeys. I know. Well, he's my favorite monkey. I mean, come on. I like really your favorite monkey. Oh, Mickey. Who's yours? You're a torque guy, aren't you? Uh, Maybe maybe I'm gonna look Peter. What if I do? I don't know. Yeah, I respect that. I don't know. I saw one of the monkeys at the fair. It's kind of an asshole. Well, it happens too. Yeah, exactly. When when you're playing the New York State Fair free stage, I guess you kind of have a right to be an asshole. Regardless, this fucking department, loose lips sink ships. Loose lips cause a media fucking frenzy. Yeah. So now this, this is this is going this is going to get blown the fuck out of proportion. Now. Oh, absolutely. This is the hysterica. Yeah, yeah hysterica. Hysterica. Yeah. Hysteria. My favorite Def Leppard album. I was trying to say hysteria in reference to Def Leppard. Yeah. I fucked up. No, hysterica is way better. It really is. It sounds like it's got that Latin flavor to it. Hysterica. He's in a state of hysterica. It does sound better than hysteria. The pair were sent to the local hospital to be tested for radiation exposure, but soon realized that the facility was not equipped to perform the tests they required. So the buddies ended up at Keesler Air Force Base, where they were examined extensively by several doctors and declared to be in good health and radiation-free. And then she made it to the Air Force Base. There you go. All right, perfect. There it is. Despite the Air Force's protestations that they were out of the flying saucer business, following their examination, Kelvin and Charles were interviewed at length by the military intelligence chief of the base. Charles recalled that the whole base command seemed to have observed the proceedings and that the Air Force artist made a sketch of one of the creatures. Although Charles, and especially Kelvin, initially shied away from the publicity surrounding their case, it wasn't long before the wire services got wind of the incident and, in a matter of days, the Pascagoula alien abduction was major news across the globe. Within a week, the region was the epicenter of a cyclone of newsmen, scientists, and curiosity seekers who flew in from all around the world to interview and conduct tests on the once obscure Mississippians. We're going global, babe. Oh, it got back. We got the whole globe involved. At the height of the public fervor surrounding their encounter, none other than the illustrious Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Oh, our UFO dad. Shout out. He is everyone's UFO dad. He literally is UFO grandpa for everybody. Shout out to Rob Christofferson over at Our Strange Skies, one of my favorite alien podcasts. Oh, it's great. Dude, support his Patreon. He's dope. But he has a shirt, J. Allen Hynek. Are you a faux dad? Oh, I didn't know that. And no, seriously. Oh, he, how have I he's not got, fucking I think he actually, seen that? He's got two Heineck shirts, and they're fucking great. Oh, Rob, that's dope. I'm only pissed we didn't do it first. Dude, Rob, well done, sir. Dude, Rob well is Well played. Best. What up, Rob? Check his show out, Our Strange Skies. Oh, do anyway, it. Anyway. You won't regret it. Are okay. you a faux dad? 
Jalen Hynek. And let's speak about him for a second. Let's do it. Who was a consultant astronomer to Project Sign, Grudge, and Blue Book. You know, the big fucking three. He's the dude. That's why he's our UFO dad. He as was there for all well of Well, as the founder of the aforementioned QFOS Center for UFO Studies. So if he didn't do it all, plus, you know, I don't know, the advisor to Steven Spielberg on Close Encounters of the Third Kind, yeah. wherein he had yeah. a cameo, which is that beautiful fucking slow dolly in on the uh, silver goatee gentleman who I had no idea who the fuck he was as a kid. I just he's like, oh, he's a, he's a big scientist in this movie. I didn't fucking know who fucking uh, Francois Truffaut's character was based on. Yeah. You know, just saying. Jalen fucking Hynek. Dude, be about it. Anyway, he's there. He arrived and interviewed the experiencers. Soon thereafter, both eyewitnesses took polygraph tests, which they passed with flying colors. In the years to come, they would take many more such tests, including the more advanced voice stress test, and pass them all. They fucking own this shit. No implication of dishonesty. The polygraph test results, combined with the information on the secret tape and the compelling and unchanging manner in which the victims related their tale, convinced Dr. Hynek and others that the two men were telling the truth. And this is what fucking Hynek had to say. There was definitely something here that was not terrestrial. This was the first time I had seen for myself the profoundly disturbing effect of a UFO encounter on two ordinary human beings. It was impossible to be with Charlie and Charlie, excuse me, and Kelvin or listen to that tape and not believe that something terrifying had happened to them. Now that lends a huge amount of credibility to this case. It does. When Hynek's saying that he doesn't fuck around. No. I mean, he was Johnny debunker. I mean, project blue book series aside. And no, I haven't seen anything past the first season because you know, I don't know. I like my shit to be true. The Mothman episode sucked. Okay. I believe that the fucking Flatwoods monster fucking ate the dilly. Yeah. You said it was a debacle. So that haven't been said that show aside. I mean, this man fucking did the government's legwork for a long time. Fucking swamp gassing it in Michigan, doing the things that fucking he needed to do yeah. to make them happy. And then finally it occurred to him, especially after the Michigan incident, the one that got fucking Gerald Ford all up in arms, that maybe I need to start looking at this more impartially. And he did. A lot of people think he like fell into the true believer side, but I think he was um, an objective scientist through and through. And even though he did what all scientists should fucking do in the end, which is remain open to the evidence... The fact that he found um, their testimony and this experience so compelling to me is, is uh, a testament to just how important this case that's is. That's a lot. That's a huge. That that that's huge. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Charles even agreed to undergo regressive hypnosis in order to elicit further details of the event. But during the process, he became so terrified that the procedure was halted. Years later, in another session, he would claim to have recovered even more disturbing memories of additional creatures on the spaceship, not unlike the woman encountered by Kelvin. And this is what he had to say. Under deep hypnosis once, I discovered something that still gives me chills. There were people on that spaceship, living beings in another compartment. They never came in where we were, and I'm telling you, they looked almost like us. Only thing I can figure is that they couldn't live in our atmosphere, so they let the robots come out and carry us inside. That was his assessment of the situation. So even though for years he wasn't aware of right. that part. Yeah. And we're going to discuss this too when we break it down, which is one of the most uh, foundational things about this case that, that, that strikes me is that unlike most 
uh, abduction cases involving greys, they have an uncanny clarity of memory about everything that happened. Yeah, they with have... the exception of a few parts. Right, right. All right, yeah. But we'll we'll get there when we get there. In a news report at the time, Sheriff Diamond revealed that scads of eyewitnesses had come forward claiming to have seen a UFO above the area on the night in question, including former detective, and I love this name, Puddin Broadus. Puddin? Puddin. Puddin Broadus? Puddin Broadus. Doesn't even get his first name. He's just Puddin Broadus. Puddin. Who told Captain Ryder that he saw something streak through the air on that same night. According to Ryder, Broadus, who had since passed on, was an honest man not prone to flights of fancy. And he said, Puddin's dead now, but he was a fine man, and he wouldn't make up something like that. I hope one day somebody says something like I that mean, about Oh, we all do. We all wish. Like Mark, a.k.a. Beard Puddin, Long Hair Puddin. He's he, dead now. He's dead. He's been dead. He's going to be dead. He ain't coming back. You know honest man. Bad teeth. Good taste of metal. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, that's pudding stores. Honestly, pudding stores. that could be all of our epitaphs. <laughs> yeah, terrible, yeah, yeah, terrible teeth, great taste in metal. In the decades that followed, more eyewitnesses would reveal themselves, including retired Navy Chief Petty Officer Mike Cataldo, who revealed that he and his crewmates had all observed a UFO that resembled, and I quote, a large tambourine with small flashing lights at dusk and on the same night as the encounter from nearby U.S. Route 90, which runs from Pascagoula to Ocean Village. I'm sorry, Ocean Springs. Jesus Christ. Can't even read simple words. Springs looks like village, village. now. God, I, I know. fuck you did that? I don't bro. even know. Congratulations. You know what I'm, it's because I look up sometimes and I think I have a word and I do not. Not at all. No. Way off. Still others have come forward in the 21st century claiming to have seen the entire event from a concealed location on the opposite side of the river. I mean, they didn't even step in. No, how do you? Jesus. You step well, back and let that happen. You can't intervene. Apparently you can't. Even if you could, why would you? Help you might get fellow fucked. Ban. From fucking yeah. crab clawed elephant skin fucking pointy faced fuck alls. Right. Yeah. Good point. Good point. All right. All right. Charles. Yeah. Charles, with the support of his wife and three children, would eventually learn to embrace his role in UFO history, making numerous public appearances at conventions, appearing on public access programs, and even, and this is where it goes big time, turning up on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, as well as The Dick Cavett Show in January of oh, 1974. shit, you made it to Carson and Dick Cavett. I know, from public access oh, to see, fucking Chris, Carson. Chris they has, scanned, they made it to Cavett. Oh, Chris has gears turning. You know, just because... Liars. Just because See you next the, week. People are interested doesn't <laughs> Dope. mean you're lying. Lying dopists. Wow. Dopists. You, uh, nice. All right. We only have a few more things. Fuck Let's get Cabot. <laughs> who was a fine interviewer, by the way. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Kelvin, on the other hand, left the spotlight of Pascagoula. Kelvin, on the other hand, left the spotlight of the Pascagoula Circus and packed up and moved to Jones County, Mississippi where he hoped and prayed he would find relief from the media storm with his family. The teenager was still reeling from the terrifying event, suffering abysmal anxiety attacks, and was hospitalized several times over the years for what has been described as an emotional breakdown. Oh, this poor bastard. It's a tough ride. Jesus Christ. Like he yeah, said he had failed marriages, even though I think he ended up back with his original wife, the well, one good. that he was marrying. Well, he good. married that woman a month later. Right. I think they had some real tough time. Part of it was him psychologically processing this. 
which was a fucking nightmare. So he, he was like, he was he looking was, for no hype. He was super affected by this. Yeah. Clearly. While Charles was like, fuck it. You know, Blanche supports him. His kids right. support him. Even his son, who was in the military at the time in Okinawa, Japan, did he didn't even hear about this from his parents. He read about it in the Stars and Stripes military newspaper. Holy shit, yeah, really? That's awesome. and, it's, it's like, and then you realize, like, like, like fuck, this is Eddie my dad. Hickson's like, the fuck, dad? Like, this is my dad? Uh, so wow. Finding out on Facebook. And he had, like, fucking a young <laughs> this daughter. Is like <laughs> this is, like, finding right, yeah. out on Facebook. Yeah, like, what it the really fuck? Is. It really is. We, we've all been there before. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? A phone call? No. Yeah, no, not, not a phone call. Not even a text Help message. Help a brother out. You read, the, you read the Facebook thing, and you're like, well, I can't, like, what, what do I do with this? Yes. Do I put a frowny face? Do I love it? Oh, wait, this deeply involves me. So glad I found out yeah, here. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. The best. Sweet. Kelvin, we're going to wrap this up would eventually come to terms with the incident, and that's the healthy part, and author his own take on the event in a pair of books starting with The Closest Encounter, My Story, which was published in 2018. Okay. Ten years after the incident, in 1983, Charles co-authored his personal account with William Mendez in a book titled UFO Contact at Pascagoula. Check both those books out. Yeah. Grab them. And, and and Hickson has another one even now that yeah, deals with on, information that has come to light since. They're on Amazon. Grab them. Just, just do yourself a favor and get them. Charles passed away in 2011, leaving behind one of the best-known and exhaustively researched encounters in the history of ufology, and leaving us all to wonder what these things were and, of all the people on Earth, why did they choose this humble, hard-working pair from Pascagoula to be... They're victims. No, the Pascagoula of the Pascagoula pair. Bunch of jerks. Yeah, I mean, um, so much going on. So if you do, if if you're listening, uh, while you're listening to this podcast around this time, uh, check out on YouTube. You can check out the uh, they're like. The, the tapes from the sheriff's office where you can yeah, actually the hear hidden, these the guys talking. Tape. Like it's like a 36 minute uh, interlude, a very difficult to discern, but still fascinating. If you audio. haven't listened to that or just listen to it, check it out. It's one of those things you hear that you're like, well, shit, that's pretty convincing. If they're acting, they're doing a really fucking good job because they sound terrified. Well, here's the funny thing. If they're acting and I don't think they are, I think no, I can say, I can no, say dead up Johnny Carson and Dick Cavett aside. Um, I know uh, Charles came out early and kind of embraced uh, the idea behind it, but fucking uh, Kelvin Parker was in hiding for years. He loathed it all. He'd pop up occasionally and do a little discussion, but obviously he was facing, uh, you know, uh, mental illness issues that maybe didn't all stem from this, but certainly were exacerbated by it. And, And he didn't write his book until 2018. This happened in 1973. No, it sounds like his life fell the fuck apart because of this. Right, absolutely. And he, now, whether and he, he wasn't something... interested in hyping it up. So, here, my, my, mm. my point is this, and, and I'll let you say your thing. If if this was a, a, something concocted by two shipyard workers to like turn a buck in the you know UFO frenzy of the fucking 70s, you know, right. post uh, <clears throat> I don't even know exactly when Cherries the Gods was published, but I assume it was before then. Then you would think they would have both masterminded a much a more lucrative scheme than they did. Like, Kel- or Charles didn't write his book until 83, 10 years later. Right. Kelvin waited 45 fucking years. None of them were making bank on this at all. And they never changed their story 
of, through all the years they were telling it. No. To me, that's compelling. Not to say that it was 100% what it seems to be, which is an alien abduction, but that it was not a ruse concocted for profit. No, I don't believe that it is either. Um, you know, and again, mm. whether uh, because his life did fall apart so hard. So hard. And again, I mean, the Falkville Metal Man, yeah, it's kind of like he put everything in motion and then kind of made his own life yeah, collapse. Well, well, it's hard to see so, if, if Jeff uh, Greenhaw yeah. was a man that fucking set himself up and just stuck by his guns. Right. Or if he was a guy well, that really yeah. just slipped into some weird shit. And Dude, he got rode that Metal Man him. into the fucking ground. He got Groot slang. He got Groot slang with that Big fucking time. Metal Man. But with these guys here, like, I guess my idea was that either whether or not this guy had something going on before the abduction happened or God forbid if this abduction caused this terrible fucking this hor- this horrific shift and it would be a emotional, traumatic event. emotionally in this guy where he's just and people definitely experience terrible fucking things in their lives that causes a lifetime of anxiety and depression and all kinds of terrible fucking shit absolutely but this dude was like severely impacted by this to the point where he didn't fucking talk about it Oh. occasionally would pop out occasionally but for the most part it kind of crippled him in an interview I saw with Kelvin Parker he he admits that even though he'd been married to the same woman for the better part of half a century he never talked to her about it until he actually wrote the book oh could you and then she that? read like the galley and came in in tears and was like I, why didn't you yeah what the fuck if, if it's that bad where yeah oh he, he didn't put it as his Facebook profile yeah, no, oh, right. man is that the 20 the 2020 oh, yeah. root slang yeah what finding out finding really out terrible personal shit on terrible shit yeah, with people finding out in the yeah. book deal yeah <laughs> finding out about the book deal yeah it's book slang so yeah that's uh that's kind of an interesting aspect of this story um so Christopher thoughts I don't really think it's liar dopists you don't no. I believe oh. I believe that they believe okay. they went through this. Okay. I agree with that. Th- that's really, I think, the only fact is I believe that they believe it. Just depends what you it believe was. their belief. Okay, I, I got you. I mean, they, they clearly seem to, to believe it, and they seem mm-hmm. to be on the same page. Just depends. and and they didn't. I mean, while granted, they both eventually made I guess whatever modicum of minor profits you make from yeah. your Boba. You're making maybe what twelve grand? If that not even Oh, you'd be lucky on a lucky day. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and maybe, but but to uh, no honestly. They, they ain't making tea public money. No. <laughs> Hellaspace.com. Wow. Maybe nice they were hundred errors. We, I don't know. We are financing a small yacht for T Public at the moment. Oh my god. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. Thank you for all of your support. But but honestly, <laughs> these guys to put yourself through and now remember this, this is Deep South seventy three. Sure. This is no fucking round. This is a small town. Now a small town anywhere in the United States, north, south, east, or west, man, you're gonna get a ration of shit yeah, if but, you're an outsider. Dude, seventy three deep south Mississippi. Right. Listen, I'm not trying to is. indict the deep south, no, but me, no, I'm, I'm not. just saying it's a very conservative environment yeah. wherein anything that's outside of the norm is going to get fucked over. That's a whooping. But like I say, that would happen in almost any small town. That's and, a whooping. And to come forward, and you know what? They they got a lot of support, actually. Once, oh, really? Once the cops realized that they weren't like talking shit and trying to pull one over on them, they were very supportive. Like, I think it was the sincerity with which they, they talked the mass of polygraph and then voice stress tests that yeah, they passed. Right, right. And then all of these investigators, and you got to remember, it was, I mean, as much as we live in a time where people are once again fascinated by the unknown, back then there were like literally 
parapsychology branches in every major institution. Like yeah. the beginning of Ghostbusters isn't a joke. Mm-hmm. That was supported by legitimate institutions, and these people came in like gangbusters and APRO and QFOS and all sorts of motherfuckers. Dude, reporters from everywhere, and you know, certainly they were maligned and made and people made jokes. I'm sure. But a lot of people were like, these guys have very little to gain and all sorts of shit to lose. Well, I'm glad that they got support. That's that's that, that's awesome. Even it, in '73 in the deep didn't south, help Kelvin that's good. much though. Kelvin well, yeah, still, because yeah. no, you know what that guy wanted? He wanted to to pay his bills and start his family. He and wanted not to get be married, like yeah. a fucking crazy person, yeah. and he had a hard time. Shit, yeah, I forget. So, I, I so everyone's pretty much on board that there was no reason to fake it, and they believe. That at least that this thing happened. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Okay. I'm totally on board. So yeah. moving so on. I mean, I'm. It's an alien. Not Bigfoot. It's not. No, it's not Bigfoot. I think we can all agree. It it's not, not a rod. A, it is not. A, it's not a ghost, a rod, or a demon. It might be a demon, depending on your perspective on <sighs> extraterrestrial. Right. I'm not saying I think it's demonic. Personally, I don't think so. No, that's a lot to. Uh, I wish. Is it though? Can okay. I can I digress oh, though oh, on oh, a small oh. detail just okay. for a second? All right, all right. I'm not entirely convinced that even though I refer to them as such in, in, uh, in the article I wrote, um, that these things are robots. There's every... Well, no, there's a lot of reasons to assume they moved a little jerky, but guess what? Somebody in an environmental suit or an, an astronaut in a spacesuit oh, is going to move herky-jerky as fuck. Yeah, it can totally, totally be a suit. There's yeah. no reason to 100% assume that what was in these suits weren't the same humanoid beings that uh, Charles eventually remembered and that uh, Kelvin admitted to being probed by viciously in his sinuses, um, that they weren't occupying these suits and that they're not environmental suits that allow them to exist on, like Mark suggested, the vicious pressures of Earth or the bad toxic atmosphere. Who the fuck knows yeah. why you need to be in a suit? Like, like we wouldn't function for shit on Venus and maybe... That's what Earth is to these people. Maybe oxygen is like an acid bath. Could be. And so while there's a chance they are automatons that were, you know, just programmed and used to, you know, just the way the guys were fishing, they were people fishing, bring them aboard, you know, catch and release, right. check them out. Scan them real quick. Jam them up. Yeah. Fucking throw the football on them. Finger bang their fucking uvula and fucking send them home. That was kind of weird that there's a, a female doctor that kind of appears with a Is it a doctor? Down. Is it a female? It sound, yeah, it's well, a female. Exactly. Yeah, is no, it a no, female? Is it a doctor? What is it? What? How do you address them? What do you say? Hi. Please don't finger fuck my face. Like, what do you do? Yeah, that's. You shouldn't ever have to say that, but sometimes that explicitly needs. And then to be as made they're clear. just finger fucking you, they're like, "We're not gonna hurt you," and you're like, "Motherfucker, Too late. you are hurting me." I am a pile of blood and terror. Yeah, and then well, maybe you? their translation to, for harm was really like, "Don't worry, you're not gonna die." Yeah, it's true too. It's true. Yeah, not and, not and, you're not, like, that you were, you're not gonna get hurt. I'm gonna hurt you. Bank and kill you. And not even just in like old timey Marlon Perkins fucking mutual Omaha days, but even to this day, animals in context of a, a catch and release tag. I was thinking about this. Are going to be mortified yeah. as much as they can be self-aware Dude. as we would ever be. Now we have yeah. to be semi-intelligent animals, so we're even more aware and terrified. Yeah. But a scientist who is completely gracious and good, a vegan in life, would never hurt an animal, would completely terrify and even cause physical pain for a brief duration on one animal if they think they're doing right by the entire species. Every time you take a, a hook out of a fish's mouth, just fucking imagine the absolute terror. Thank oh, yeah. you're God yanked they got, from your environment. Thank God they got tiny brains and they forget. Thankfully. Hopefully. Yeah. And well, you know, I always, or they all have super fucking bad anxiety. They love to suggest that, like, oh, but fish don't hurt. Like, 
like you know. I'm pretty we, sure because we hurts. have that great the nerve detector, so we know exactly the amount of pain all animals feel. Right. That's such a line. Of, oh no, lobsters don't. They're not in pain when you boil them alive. <sighs> oh fuck you, man. You was, don't know that. Of I course they are. I just cooked lobsters for my family like two weeks. Were ago. they alive? Yes. You murdered them in the worst way possible. I didn't know any Doesn't better. Doesn't mean they're not delicious. I'm just saying. <laughs> Chris and I, yeah. lobster was our I've jam. I killed so many lobsters. Yeah, it was You'll his job. You'll never catch for... up to my murder of lobsters. <laughs> no, it was wow. his job for a while. Yeah. Fucking he was lobster fish... mangle over Chris, here. Christopher was a, he was a, before he was slinging beers, he was slinging fish. He was our local fishmonger. It's true. Listen, I'm not here to judge. He did not enjoy the elderly. I'm not. Oh, wow. <laughs> he did not. I didn't enjoy the job. <laughs> he didn't enjoy the job. <laughs> but, but he was good with bananas. We all eat meat. Uh, yeah. Meats. Sundry meats. Yeah, that's true. We do that. So I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. What I'm saying is, um, who knows what these things feel like? And while I pray they're not bright enough to suffer unduly, right. the, the moose or other slightly more advanced mammals that are being tagged and released, even if it is for the overall good of the species, are going to be traumatized to a degree. When it happens to human beings, even if these, even if these things are completely, uh, you know, merciful in their technique and have absolutely positive agendas for the overarching, uh, you know, existence of our species it's still horrifying and, and who's to say that's true they might just be scientists who give no fucks like old school like mary Kay fucking scientists that are not even real scientists like putting lipstick on a bunny and fucking oh, dropping shit those in assholes they yeah. might not even give a fuck yeah but yeah. they might be the giving a fuck kind and even if they are the giving a fuck kind they still won't care if they think what they're doing right. is for the ultimate good of our species so christopher well, do yeah, you think yeah. that this is aliens I mean, it, it sure's ball seems that way. Because I think but, Rob, but and, I, just, Rob um, and I are like, we're, we're in. We're in like Flynn. We're there. Uh, let me say this. Yeah, but why, not, so, but why not a talpa? Why not an ultra-terrestrial? No, let me throw this out here before you guys digress <sighs> wow. any further. I'm just using your logic. Give me a minute. <laughs> Against you. <laughs> he just, dude, if I was Tila, he's Hordak. Wow. With his horde. He is. Yeah. And Hordak is the best. I love At Hordak. least in Shira mythology. Exactly. All right, but if I, I said Tila. Sorry, Shira. I, I, wow. You were trying. I'm getting my mythology right. Are you missing Tila Tequila and fucking no, Hordak? Tila from will, fucking He-Man. Will you shut the fuck up for one second and let me fucking say my piece? Lord in heaven, this is why we talk over each other in a wall of noise. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Two star One review. star. One star. It was, it was no two. stars. Point three. A third <laughs> of a star. Uh, all right, Robert, continue. Both Charles Hickson and Kelvin Parker, at least according to the reports I read, because obviously I and I never will have the chance to go through everything they publicly said, never once stated that they thought they were abducted by aliens. They were abducted by entities that looked very human except for their finger-banging techniques and weird things that they thought were robots sure. in a machine that was undoubtedly a UFO. But they never once, at least according to the reports I read, assumed that they were of extraterrestrial yeah, mention, origin. Yeah, mention Shit. that. But that Which doesn't mean, mean they're not. Yeah, it doesn't no, mean anything. They could be extraterrestrial. Again, they All could right. be interdimensional. They could be intra or infraterrestrial. I mean, they could be from the vast caves. Our good friend Christopher opened the door to Tulpa ultra-terrestrial and hyperdimensional beings. Go, listen, I won't go Tulpa all the time because, honestly, if, why aren't there 75... <laughs> I don't go, though, ever. But why aren't there 75 fucking Freddy Kruegers running around every day? I did day? bring it up. There could be. There's a reason I brought it up. 
so fuck a talpa right now. I'm not saying no. I don't mean fuck a talpa that nothing can ever actually be fuck a talpa from sheer belief. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, if it's I mean, if you're attracted to said talpa, I'm not here to judge you. Yeah. Can you really fuck a talpa? I don't know. Why not? I mean, if it's like a talpa succubus, then that's her goal or, or incubus. It's his okay. goal right. to fuck you into pure oblivion. This could be a classic ultra-terrestrial move. Causing the fear, causing the anxiety. In terms, in terms of the food they were, you're getting off of Kelvin. They were feeding oh, off of Kelvin. That's like a nonstop 24-7 Ponderosa. Yeah. And yeah. it got out there into the ether and into the it was a global phenomenon. So they're just passing the fear on to everybody else. But oh. you had the true warrior of J. Allen Hynek. And the fucking front line. You were pretty hopped up on that, dude. I love Jalen. I mean, what better? Listen, he's the best. If you're going to feed off something for the rest of your life, if you traumatize a human to always believe that. Then you, then you're you're all fucking. Yeah, sad. dude, you've got the fucking cow. I'm, ju- I'm just saying, you got the cow. You're if milking you got the, the tea, fear toxin to make them see the shit. Yeah. they're gonna be traumatized forever. Dude, milking the teats of fear. So it could be an ultra terrestrial. Could be an ultra terrestrial. But it didn't really work with Charles because that man no fucking processed no. it. He cre- you know what he but- credited it with? He credited it with. Being a Korean War veteran, a combat veteran, oh. who had seen life and death shit. No shit. And he was the first to say that, you know, Kelvin was just a kid. He'd never, he'd never been in this kind oh, of position. Hard so fuck. he processed that shit, told his family about it. His family was 100% supportive. Like, never once saying, Dad, you're fucking crazy. Dude. Your dad, fucking put the bottle down. Like, they got him his back. And no, fucking... this, this, this dude survived. He, this dude made it through the Korean War. And he's like, you know, I saw some shit. I'm going to see some more shit. But you know what? I'm still me. It's funny. At one point, he said, <laughs> this was the scariest thing that ever happened to me. And then he went on to say, I'm also scared of snakes. If I see a snake, I'm fucked up. Yeah. Oh. This was scarier. <laughs> see? So it goes in his order of existence. Uh, Pascagoula fucking robots, snakes, snakes. Korea. Korea. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, his I feel a lot of snakes. Of I am fucking deathly terrified of snakes. Really? Yeah, oh, terrible. I love snakes. Oh, my God. I get so yeah, Spiders can go fuck themselves. No. Yeah, spiders and their fucking spiders, little sphincters. Uh, spiders, rats, bats, and snakes. You're, well, rats are scummy, but bats? I love Batman. rats. Bats. And bats scare, are the kind of Batman. Fruit bats are adorable. Yeah, flying They're foxes. They're not all like, right, like rabies-carrying, toothy nightmares. Yeah, they don't look like pig-nosed Nosferatu flying in your All the time. Oh, Sometimes true. they do. Uh, and we've all encountered those. We have. I've swacked a bat or two with a broom yeah. because that shit was trying to get up my face. But for the most part, I try to be really amicable with bats. Because yeah. A, they're fucking awesome. B, they fucking use... Sonar? I mean, are, are you, whatever. Whatever. they're not right. they trying to avoid you. Fly. Let's get it back to topic. I'm going to say so this is not an, bats. No, nope. probably not a tulpa. I'm going to say this it's is an bats. alien abduction. And uh, man, I don't know. Yeah, I no, I, mean, it sounds like for, I feel bad for the dude. Here's what's like, fascinating about it to me, though. And this is something I said that I would broach later. Um, even though they both, uh, both Kelvin and Charles, underwent hypnotic regression, and Charles, I think actually met with bud hopkins at one point like the legendary regressor um they remembered the bulk of the events without any additional help it is super atypical of what has become abduction lore in the in the 20th and 21st century i know that in the 50s and the contactee movement which is a whole different thing people were seeing nordics and weird things and then throughout the 70s all the glorious era of the 50s through the 70s you can find tons of stuff where people are seeing really anomalous robotic and hopkinsville goblins and all sorts of things yeah and this is not just a throwback but like it seems to be like that cusp 
between, and you almost have to wonder, is this, you know, like old theater owners, this is going to be a bad analogy, but I'm, I'm a man who loves cult movies. Like drive-ins and theater owners used to have territories. You almost wonder if at some point the batshit, like, like if fucking earth was like carte blanche for anyone that just wanted to come crazy here and take some people or fuck around or talk to people. And then suddenly the fucking, the franchise got switched to the grays because it seems like after a certain point, they're all grays, reptilians, mantises, and an occasional Nordic. But before but not that, it was, yeah. it was, it was all crazy. sorts of fuck-alls. It's totally. like just those crazy bug well, things in Canada. Yeah. It's it, Flatwoods. I mean, on and on and on. The, yeah, I could see maybe that, but it's also hard to it's hard to go back in time and, and see what catches on no, in, to, in pop culture. You're right. You have to filter it through the pop and culture it, perspective. It, it, Chris yeah. is absolutely right there. And you have there's to not see what's much happening, a, why it's happening. Yeah. There's not much of a pop culture perspective for the description of these aliens that they're giving. Though. I gotta say, no, not for not for this. Are, grays. Yeah. are experts on really? We are experts on like science fiction cinema, horror cinema to a degree, cult cinema in general. I mean, we have libraries on the stuff. We've talked about it for years. We're almost as passionate about that as we are about cryptozoology and ufology. There is like if if you know the Thetis Lake monster and fucking the horror at Party Beach played on TV a week before in Canada yeah. and Creature from the Black Lagoon have been around. You can see context on which an event that is either tulpa esque and or hoaxed would be built. This there is no context. There's no fictional no, context yeah, no, on which doesn't. this was built. And these guys had nothing to fucking gain and a lot of ridicule. I mean. Unlike a lot of times where we can say, and they never turned a profit, like the Solway for its spaceman or on and on. This, oh yeah, they eventually turned a minor, minuscule profit. If you're talking about, if you're talking but about on 12, the other hand, if something happens to you, it doesn't mean you should never exploit it. At most, fifteen grand, not really worth it. <laughs> you know? you can, like literally, uh, Kelvin part of this day talks about one of the things that has been great for my marriage is we can never afford a vacation. If a UFO convention pays for his plane ticket, good he for pays him. for his wife's plane Fuck ticket, yeah, good for and him. they go to Phoenix, Arizona, or wherever, and do the sites together. That's not exploiting no. something. Well, it, it is exploiting. That something. is not. It's like... exploiting a real thing, but it's not necessarily manufacturing something so you can live high off the hall. Yeah, you're not living Kardashian The only one that ever got fucking rich on UFOs is fucking literally Eric Von Daniken. And I'm not saying, <laughs> yeah, really. But he Seriously, would be the first to admit yeah. he was just speculating. He wasn't claiming this shit or that. He's saying, could well, this be? Could wait, this be? No. Let's not forget Giorgio Sukulos with his with my maze ball hair. hair. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? What's that right there, Robert? What is that? Dude, that? if you... All you need is a little product. It's ancient alien hair right wow. there. Yeah. All right, so it's something. It's wow. Maybe level <clears throat> one and a half Stamos, a third of a Sucralose. In about two weeks, you're gonna notice this mane, this glorious mane, go skyward. I can't wait to draw it you resurrects with like rock G- and roll it, dude, metal it hair. It resurrects like Jesus. It goes. Are up. you trying to be like Vegeta? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, Vegeta hair. Well, fucking Sucralos has Vegeta hair, he no does. doubt. Yeah, no, mine eventually, when it gets to about almost to my, to my shoulders, it decides to go up to the heavens where it once came from. Okay. It resurrects so like Jesus. So, right. masturbatory fucking glory of hair aside, we all agree that uh, they believe that they saw something. They're not trying to manufacture it solely for profit. It is absolutely unique, even though it's difficult to ascertain what it is. It became, for a while, the most famous abduction phenomenon in history. I think it's finally settled in second place after the Betty and Barney Hill thing, yeah, but totally. not by a large margin. This is still super, this might be the most famous thing we've ever done, with the exception of Killer Bigfoot. And so, 
I think it remains one of the most fascinating accounts, not necessarily because we can easily give it explanation, but because it is so well known, their stories have never changed, even if things have been added to it, you know, through revelation, and that there's a lot of corroborating eyewitnesses. Now, some of which might have just been jumping on the bandwagon, like, oh, there's UFO craze, I saw one. But yeah, others, yeah. like, yeah, I no, mean, I agree. lest we forget Puddin Broadus. Unimpeachable character. I'm saying there's something, there's a lot of really intriguing elements to this, totally. and it definitely bears. Uh, another look, even All if right. it can't be proven. There it is, yeah. Christopher. Closing thoughts. I mean, I mean. All right. It's what else? Are you it's, convinced it's, a little? It's, 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 something weird this, might have I happened. Mean, we might have him on there's, board. There's no. There's no. I mean, there's no evidence either way. The only thing I know, or I believe, is that I believe okay. that they believe a thing happened. Whatever that thing was. Okay. But, you just but, there's just no. You know, some people have called it like a hypnagogic state, like they were coming out of like a semi dream state. Two people can't do that. I if it was one no, person, if you could, we I would could do that all the time. Think, I could think it could be anything from the classic diabetic coma, never take diabetes oh, or the devil off the, the table. Babies. It could be anything, but it's two people. So two people to have this. Two people with vastly different agendas. One's yeah. like fuck it, my family supports me, I'm going to do this. Others like I'm going to have terrible troubled marriage and and. And put myself into a hospital because I'm so fucking stressed out multiple yeah, times. Totally. These people are not collaborators. They had two vastly different perspectives on a very similar event. And and to me, that at the very least uh, lends credibility to what yeah. happened. No, totally. So I think, you know, I think in some way, shape, or form, we're all on the, on the same page. Ish, as much as we Ish. can be. Normally, then we need yeah. yeah. From where than, we yeah. are, from where we start from. Totally. I definitely something happened, and yeah. it's fucking bat shizzles. Totally. So there you have it. That is our take on the Pascagoula abductors. As always, be sure to dig into this. Check it out for yourself. Share your theories, your comments, your thoughts Please. on the Facebook page, on the Instas, on the Twitters, on the Facebooks. Keep all those DMs coming on Instagram. I love talking to people on Instagram. You know why? Uh, it's easy. Instagram is all pretty pictures and people that send DMs. And if for some reason we're not following each other, and your message gets put to, gets put in with the other mailbox. Just give me a little bit, and I'll get to you. Just there's a lot of messages that go there because we don't follow a tons Sounds of like people excuses to yeah. me it's not excuses no but it's just yeah. there's a lot of you know and spam's a thing too also sounds like you're you're uh, hating on Twitter a little uh no Twitter's fine Twitter's great the only thing that I'm kind of disappointed with and is really let me down is Facebook. But that's just a sign of the time. Shocking development. Yeah. And yeah. oddly enough, that's the only place you'll find Chris and I. Chris and Robert yeah. are going to be on Facebook. I'll be on the Instas and the Twitters. Thank you all so very much for your uh, support, whether you're a Patreon listener or whether you're a Patreon uh, patron or not, uh, patreon.com slash Podcast. And thank you who do. And those who can't, we understand completely. Thanks for enjoying the and regular And again, shit. man, there is a really cool Patreon hack, and people do it. And I tell people to do it. Sure. like. Pay five bucks. You can download all the episodes onto your computer or your device or whatever. Keep them, clip it, and then come back at a later date. Don't Boom. feel like you have to continually donate five bucks. Jump in when you can. Pay for the content, but grab it all at once. For me, macaroni and cheese is not just a joy, mm. but a necessity. I get it. Yeah, no, do what I feel you got to do. Just 
Yeah, respect. Do it. And I think we're up to like episode twenty, like twenty something for Patreon. Really? Yeah. So, yeah oh something like that. my gosh, yeah, we're, getting, we're getting pretty good. Fizzle so, uh, uh, hellerspace, hellerspace com. Check that out. T-shirts. We will as. I'll make Rob, no promises because clearly will not, Rob will not be allowed to make promises, but I can tell you to keep her eye out for possibly a Pascagoula T-shirt. One or possibly two. True that. Depending on oh, how I can get Rob to draw in the next week. Or we, we have been working our balls off on designs. We have had a collaborative. It's our, our collaborations are always good. It's like we're well, we're two decades deep in collabs at yeah. this point. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes we hit um I don't know, red tape. That happens. We hit things occasionally. But you know what? We overcome, we persevere, and then we put out four shirts at once. Because That's what we do. Those are the assholes we are. We're like, you want new t-shirts? Guess what? Here's four. Buy them all. Boom. But there's always sales every month, so don't buy anything unless it's on sale for 35%. Oh, they're dirt cheap sometimes. When it's th- when it's 35%, buy Jump. stuff. Don't do it if it's not on sale. Um. So, yeah. There you have it. There it is. Thank y'all for joining us, and we'll be talking with you soon. Don't get abducted. Yeah, no, by anything. Ever. It sounds horrible. Anything. I know I've told the story before, but the one time I saw lights in the sky, my first thought was like, don't you dare. Don't yeah, you don't fucking you. dare. Yeah. I'm alone. I got no other witnesses. No, I don't no. I don't want to get touched. I don't want to get fucking scummed up. I don't want to be in your fuck. It's like, it's funny. I spend my whole life talking about it. And then when I really, really do see UFO, I'm like, don't you fucking dare. Yeah. <laughs> I am not the guy. I First off, I'm too you. heavy for your tractor <laughs> beam. So fuck you. Nice. Oh. Anyway, you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty creepy thing. If you've endured it, God bless you. Get through it. You know what? Kelvin Parker, let that be an inspiration for you. He suffered for many years. Now he's living high on the hog and vacationing in Phoenix with his wife. Fuck yeah, Kelvin. Good Things for get you. better. Good it's for you, Kelvin. The hardest shit is the stuff that makes you the toughest. There it is. We're talking to you soon. Baloney. So I may have made a miscalculation at dinner last night. How's that? I took the family to Applebee's. Oh, well, there it well, was. <laughs> done deal. At least it wasn't the gas station like you've done on occasion. All right. I didn't bring the, the family to the gas station for pizza, but here's the thing about Applebee's is I have some weird thing in my mind, and this is no offense to any cooks or managers or sub-managers or shift personnel or waitresses or dishwashers. You all are doing a fine job. The service was excellent. The people... Good people. The okay. food, not good. It's never good. It's Applebee's. I don't know what I was tricking myself into thinking. I don't know. I just I had some romantic thing in my head like, oh, it's Applebee's. It's your neighborhood bar and grill. It's reasonable Romantic? Food. It's this and that. Yeah, don't. And it wasn't. Overhype Applebee's. Dude, go to Chili's. And the, exactly. So if much you better. Want another... Romantic settings. Romantic settings. I, I was romanticizing it in my head. But at least it's usually a pleasing meal. Like uh, I've yeah. not no. been disappointed at Chili's. Applebee's, I've never not been disappointed. I know, and I yeah. feel bad. The kids loved it, and Nicole and I just struggled, and then later we just farted all night long. Wow. It was all of us just laying in bed. Farting. Just, just cutting gassers. It was terrible. And now we'd like to thank our new sponsor, Applebee's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry if you work at Applebee's. What I'm but... trying to say is the PSA here is don't get... The quesadilla burger. 
Oh, it sounds good. Well, first off, that sounds phenomenal. It's not because you're like a quesadilla and a burger. You can't go wrong. But you know what? You can go wrong real fast. Is it like a burger within a quesadilla wrap? Yes. Hmm. Okay, yes. well. I can see where that could go south. Yeah. You think it's a burger, but it's a quesadilla. You're getting wild. You're getting nuts. You got the quesadilla burger. Right. Did not have my dad's shoes on. Haven't got those yet, but I'm working on them. Fair enough. Load everyone in the family. Load, load them all in the family truckster. Go down there. Hey, kids, we're going to the margaritas here. And the first thing they asked, like, you guys want margaritas? I'm like, ah, got to drive. I'm a dad, sir. I'm a father. How dare these my, you? <laughs> these are my children. This is my wife. Are you How trying to you? jeopardize my kids exactly. in front of me? Yes. I'll murder you. There's your culinary corner from Mark. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, you like Apparently that? Apparently, we're a fucking Yelp pod now. We are. Yeah, that was my Yelp review. Good people. Bad we're not food. about cryptids. <laughs> no more. Oh, we're definitely one gonna get star. A, we're definitely going to get a one star review for this.